Well, um, welcome to uh, Second City again, and uh, we're going to be opening God's Word to, together. But first, before we um, uh, get into to God's Word, let's um, let me just say a word. Thank you ever much to, to to Dan and to Nikki and for Nay for doing the, the 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 worship over these last few weeks and the work that they've put into that. It's been a real blessing uh, to us. What you guys have been doing for us and leading us in and making uh, the most, as it were, of, of us not being able to, to, to be together. And there's a, I love that song, King of Kings. There's a couple of lines which really often get me a little bit emotional. Um, just, the, just the thought, I, I, sometimes we remember the curtain torn in two when Jesus uh, dies on the cross. Um, uh, but sometimes we forget that uh, people were raised uh, you know, from the dead on that day, uh, you know, and I'm just, uh, I'm just amazed um, what, what, um, how the, the power of God to, to, to be at work there. But then also, and uh, because today we're, we're looking at this idea of meekness, there's a line in that song, again, which really strikes me. It says, even in your suffering, you sought uh, to the other side. And it just talks about salvation. Basically, they, he, in the midst of suffering, he continued to do what he was doing for the sake uh, of, of people coming to know Christ. And if there ever was a picture of meekness, it's Jesus Christ. You know what? This is what stands out Jesus Christ than any others who have called themselves prophets or great kings or wise people is his meekness. This, this desire to humble himself for the sake of others. And uh, we're in this series in the, uh, called The Upside Down Kingdom. And here Jesus is speaking to his disciples, telling them, look, this is what the kingdom of God is about. And he starts by saying, look, the kingdom of God is uh, for those who are poor in spirit, those who recognize their bankruptcy and their need spiritually, that they, they have nothing in their account, they have nothing to offer God. And he says, uh, you know, those who, um, are, uh, those who are poor in spirit, well, you know, they come to, to, uh, to know God. But then he goes on to talk about that not only is it those who are poor in spirit, but it's those who mourn. He says those who mourn will be comforted. And the mourning here, as Terry told us last week, is not just merely about being sad uh, about things, but it's mourning their sin and the sin of the world. That means that they recognize that not only they're sinful, but they dislike the sin in their lives. They're able to recognize their state and they mourn by crying out to God. And he says those who cry out to God, those who want God to, to come and help them and change them and transform them, God will hear their cry and he will comfort them. And then today, we're looking at this idea of meekness. And what we're going to find is that there is a progression here. Uh, and it's not just a progression in terms of one links to the other, but there's a progression of hardness here. Uh, it's one thing to recognize that you are, have nothing to offer God. Um, quite honestly, if we all take a look at ourselves, that should be fairly easy to understand. Uh, it's it's ha slightly harder than to recognize uh, I need to mourn my sin. I need to not just accept that I'm a sinner, but I need to mourn it and ask God to help me. But it's another thing to bring your life 
to the test in front of other people because the test of being meek is not whether we think we're meek, it's how other people uh, think that we're meek, whether, we're, whether we're meek or not. So meek or not. And so blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth is the passage that we're looking at today. Um, and the reality is that this is not an easy thing to do. Jesus said, my, uh, my yoke is easy, uh, but my burden is light. But following Jesus, whilst it's kind of easy in the sense that he's doing the work, it's not always easy to put what he's given us into practice or to take hold of what he's given us and, um, and trust in it. Well, you know, when Jesus said these words to the disciples, they would have been utterly shocked. Now, maybe we're not so shocked because we've got the Bible, we've read it many times. Um, But these were shocking words. Uh, We have to remember that um, in the Jewish mindset, the kingdom of God uh, was not a heavenly place. It was an earthly place. It was the rule and reign. Uh, It was the fulfillment of God's promises to to Abraham that they would have a land and inheritance, a place where uh, the Israelites, the people of God, would settle. And so when they're thinking about how that kingdom of God is going to come and who is going to inherit the land or here, the earth... Um, they saw this taking place through um, a military work, uh, that they would overthrow their oppressors. They'd been oppressed many times uh, over the, uh, the sort of last 800 years of, of their lives, finally with the, the Romans. And so as they're listening to this, they thought that it was going to come through insurrection, through an overpowering uh, uh, of the Roman uh, government. So when he says it's the meek that are going to inherit the earth, They're thinking, no, surely it's not the meek. Surely it's the strong. Surely it's those who arm themselves, who are going to fight, who are going to rise up against their enemies. And so they would have been shocked. To be fair, uh, whilst we're maybe not shocked as Christians because we hear this, uh, in life, um, it doesn't always seem like um, that it's the meek who do inherit the earth. Uh, Psalm 37 is a little bit of a reflection where the psalmist is talking about, look, you see these things taking place. You see uh, those who uh, are wicked, prospering. He says, hey, don't worry. Um, God, God is going to um, uh, bring about it so that it's actually the meek who inherit the land, even though it seems like it's, it's the strong. And so it seems the same today. All we have to do is watch a series of The Apprentice, and anybody who seems in any way to be weak or meek, um, who is um, uh, gentle in any way, they often get... Um, um, uh, uh, I can't even say the words now, uh, but <laughs> uh, rough-shotted over. That's not the right word, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. They, they, they get ploughed over, and when they get into the boardroom, it's dog-eat-dog, dog, and they'll just say anything they want to to put down the next person. And basically, it's about pride and arrogance, and you just puff yourself up. And even if you can't fulfill it, you've just got to convince somebody that you're better than you are. And so in some way, um, in reality, in our workplaces, sometimes in our home, uh, there's that puffing up, that proudness. And we think that if we're strong, yeah, and if we show that we're strong, we don't show that we're weak, um, then we'll get on. If we talk all about the good things that we can do, 
um, and we show them, then we will get far in our workplace and in our relationships. And yet, what this verse says is that is not true. That is not the way to inherit the earth. And even to be fair in the context of our church um, or churches, um, it seems like uh, there is much arrogance um, and it always, you know, always bigger is better. And, uh, um, and so we have to be really careful that we're not those who, again, um, want to be known or want to be seen uh, to be great churches. I was watching a, a video on YouTube and there's a series called The White Elephant Room. I don't know if you've ever come across it. It's an interesting look. And what they... Uh, what they interesting watch and and what this uh, white elephant room is about it's really about getting a whole number of pastors together and they choose real hot topics and they uh, argue to two different points of view even if they don't um, believe in that position but they just talk it out and um, various people are on there you might know uh, uh, Matt Chandler's on there um, and um, oh Platt David Platt is on there. And um, this is back in, it was shot back in 2011, so Mark Driscoll was on there, and there was various other folks. But interestingly enough, if you watch it, there's about at least two or three pastors on there who have since been um, removed from their position for impropriety in, in various different ways. And there, there's a particular dis discussion that takes place between David Platt and James White, who is the kind of host of it. And James White is one of those uh, pastors that has been recently um, removed. And um, they're, they're discussing about poverty, in, not just poverty in the world, but like how do we live a life that um, doesn't desire all the things of the world. And David Platt just shares about how he felt from the Lord that their church should think about their budget and the way they're spending their money and should try and give more way to missions. And part of that process was that each department went through their budget and they decided what was essential was not essential. And James White came at him and said, look, I've heard that your church has done this. And what that has meant is that um, you don't give cakes anymore to your children but you just give biscuits. And he went at him. He says, an utter disgrace. He said, I can't believe that your church is doing that. You're taking food from children. And then he went on about pastors not being paid enough money. And probably there's an element of true in the States. I, I don't know. Um, and he was really going at him. And he wasn't, play he wasn't playing. He genuinely believed these things. Then sat on the other side is David Platt, um, a man which I admire. And I think we should all admire if we were to... Um, listen to his teaching, just so humble, just so humble. He said, well, there are many people right across the world that don't even get a biscuit. And he said, I didn't make these children give it up. They decided they wanted to give it up. And I think it was good for them. And so just a, a simple example, I'm not trying to um, sort of badmouth anybody, but just a simple example how easy it is for us as churches or individuals or Christians to puff ourselves up uh, and how easy it is to believe the rhetoric about ourselves, that we tell ourselves that we need to be strong, that we can't be humble, we can't be gentle, because that shows a level 
of weakness. Now, we shouldn't be surprised about this because throughout the Bible, we see examples and read scriptures where the, where the, the writers talk about being meek. Here's just a few scriptures for us just to remind ourselves what the Bible says about being meek. James 1 uh, verse 21 says this, Therefore put away all filth and rampant wickedness and receive meekness the implanted word, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Peter writes in his first letter, in verse, chapter 3, verse 15, about uh, sort of declaring the gospel, and he talks about declaring it with, a, with meekness. The word translated here is gentleness, but it's the same word. He says this, But in your heart, honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness, that's the word for meekness, and respect. Couple more, Galatians, here talking about the fruit of the Spirit, fairly familiar to us. Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, that again, that's the word there for meekness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And then one final one from Colossians 3, uh, verses, uh, verse 12, where again, he just talks about clothing ourselves uh, with, with the um, spiritual gifts that God gives us, the spiritual characteristics. And he says this, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So we shouldn't be surprised, really, that, um, that, we, that, that meekness is a characteristic that we should both desire and want. But the reality is uh, that it's not easy. You know, we, we notice here that meekness and gentleness appears in the fruit of the Spirit. This is not something that you can muster up. Now, in your flesh, you will boast about yourself. Paul talks about this, that if in your flesh, that if you just try and do things by your own good works, you will puff yourself up. Why? Because it's all about self-preservation. It's all about you getting where you want. And if you don't have God in any way to help you or to lead you and to strengthen you, what other choice have you got but to puff yourself out? You have no other choice. So these are, the meekness is a spiritual, uh, it's a supernatural thing that God gives us. It is contrary to the flesh. Now, you need to hear that. It is contrary to your flesh. Now, when we read these Beatitudes, again, I just want to impress. If you think you can do it just by sheer willpower, you can't. You can only do it by the Spirit of God at work in you to bring about these characteristics. That's why it's the characteristics of the kingdom of God. You can't get it in the kingdom of the world. You can only get it in the kingdom of God. And so for us as Christians, we need to be calling out to God, crying out to God, give me more or just make me aware more of your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. So these are the things that pour out from us. But we don't only just see scriptures, but we see examples of this in, in scripture. Let me just give you a few uh, from the Old Testament and then some from the New Testament. Abraham. Think about Abraham and his dealings with Lot. He gave Lot, the younger man, choice of both the sheep and the land. And he didn't complain about it at all. He preferred him, uh, even though he would, as the older man, have the rights and, uh, to, to choose those things, but he didn't. 
he was gentle and kind and generous to him. We're told that Moses was the most humble, sorry, most meek man and humble man in history before Jesus. And honestly, all you have to do is read about the grumbling of the, the, the nation of Israel against him time and time and time and time again. And he he responded in calling out to God. There were times where God said that he was going to bring judgment on them. He called out to them, don't do to them what they deserve, Lord, on the account of me. And interestingly, for, 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 for Moses, we see one of the reasons why he didn't en- enter into the kingdom, of, uh, in, into the, um, the promised land, was one, uh, a time where he wasn't meek, where he got angry with God. Also, we could move on and and look at David. David had many times to make himself king. We read a number of times, Saul comes into a cave, he's hiding there. He's strong, he can easily overthrow him. He can easily take the kingdom from Saul. But he doesn't take the kingdom. He respects uh, uh, God's anointing of Saul and he waits for the right time where God is going to put him in the right place. That's meekness. That's gentleness. He, he doesn't take what's his, but he allows the Lord to give it to him. Just a couple of examples from the New Testament. Stephen. Who, doesn't, who can't love Stephen? Who prays for his murderers as they're picking up the stones and lobbing at them. And he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And of course, Paul uh, we might pick this up in a number of letters. The Corinthian church was a church that openly criticised Paul. And yet when he writes, he writes like a father. He writes with gentleness. He doesn't express the authority that God has given to them, but gently pleads with them that they might come back, they might believe the truth that he has shared with them, that they might rightly uh, honour uh, God's uh, gospel and his work. He over and over again says that he is the, uh, you know, that, 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 that he is not good enough um, in his flesh. He says that he's the chief of sinner. So he says he keeps on doing the things he doesn't want to do. But it is God that has appointed him, even in the midst of his weakness, um, to be his apostle to the Gentiles. And then, of course, um, the our greatest example, of course, is Jesus. Uh, every aspect of his life is meekness personified. But just a couple of moments in his life, which again, I find utterly compelling um, and, and, and why I want to be like Jesus. Um, Jesus prayed in the garden against Gethsemane, saying, not my will be done, but yours. Um, his forgiveness on the cross for those who... Uh, are murdering him and those who are shouting insults on him and those who have spitten on him and those who have beaten him. What does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then ultimately, just in his carnation, incarnation where he humbles himself, we're told, in Philippians, um, that he makes himself like a servant. So those are some uh, scriptures um, that remind us we, meekness is part of the characteristics of the kingdom. We've seen it in uh, some people in the Bible, um, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, but what is meekness? Well, maybe first it's worth asking what, what is 
not meekness. Well, meekness is not weakness, okay? It's, it's not that you become, that you are yourselves weak. It's not that, that, that meekness is just being easygoing or less affair, that you don't need to, you don't take things too seriously or you're just very relaxed uh, about life. Uh, meekness is not just being nice to other people or just doing whatever it takes to get along with them. It doesn't mean a weakness in our personality or in our character. In fact, I would say it's the opposite, that there's a strength in our personality and a strength in the characteristics of those who are meek. It doesn't mean having less spirit or less gumption or desire to do things or drive to do things. It doesn't mean seeking peace at any cost or avoiding conflicts. Nor is meekness just an external reality. It's not about our manner and the way we are with people. Um, But it's also more than just a spiritual reality. It's both of those things. There's a work that God does in us and it leads to an output. Um, And so I want to say clearly here that meekness is not incompatible with strength, power or authority. Because if it were, Jesus himself could not be meek. Why? Because he had all power and authority, uh, and, and um, Jesus was strong in character and someone that we should seek to follow. So what is gentleness? Well, I just want to maybe just bring out three ways of, of looking at this. First of all, just in kind of a, a word survey. Um, how is the word meekness translated? What does the Greek word mean? Well, the Greek word means gentle, humble, considerate, or courteous. And the, um, one of the Bible uh, versions, the, the NEB version, refers to meekness as those of a gentle spirit. Those of a gentle spirit. And I think that kind of expresses one of the aspects of what... Um, this meekness is. But another way of looking at meekness, and this is a quote from uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he emphasizes and denotes that uh, humility and gentleness uh, is um, expressed in its relationship to, to others. Let's read the quote from him. He says this, meekness is essentially a true view of oneself, expressing itself in attitude and conduct towards others. Let me read that a little bit again because I think it's important to get us. Meekness is essentially a true view of oneself expressing itself in attitude and conduct towards others. The man who is truly meek is the one who is truly amazed that God and man can think of him as they do and treat him as well as they do. What's he saying here? Well, uh, what we're going to see is uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones here is saying, look, there's a progression here uh, in the Beatitudes. You know, you first have to recognize your spiritual um, bankruptcy. Secondly, you need to mourn over your sin, which is, is, is essentially knowing who you are. OK, you start to see your true state. And then finally, that leads you to um, being someone who who wants to act meekly towards others. He says it's impossible, really, for us to be meek towards others if we don't have a right view of ourselves. If we see ourselves as better of ourselves, then we will have to puff ourselves up. Therefore, we cannot be meek, which is acting towards others in, in a way 
that um, shows that we see others more highly than we see ourselves. So there's a progression here through the Beatitudes. Another thing, another way, or the final way that I would like us to see um, meekness is through this idea of restrained strength. Okay? Restrained strength. So think about this. The meekness here is not weakness, but it's actually strength that is restrained and redirected. That we don't take... um, We don't take the advantages that are ours and merely apply them to ourselves. But no, in some way, we disadvantage ourselves and redirect our strength towards others. We lay down, like Jesus did, we see, we lay down our rights, our privileges, our comforts, our power and our authority so that others might be lifted up. And so we recognize that the only way that we can do that is if we rely on God, if we trust in him. Um, So, yes, gentleness is a, 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 sorry, meekness is a gentleness, is a humbleness, it's a considerateness, but it's directed not just horizontally, but uh, uh, vertically, but horizontally as we see ourselves as we truly are. Now we start to act towards others in a way that is meek by putting them first over ourselves, restraining the strength and the advantages that we have and applying it to others. Now, this is so true for us as Christians because we have received strength from God um, that is not of our own. And the question is, how do do we respond to the strength that he has given us? Uh, We've received grace upon grace. How do we respond to receiving grace? Well, the answer is we act meekly towards others. Um, maybe if you just jump through that. Somehow I think the question's got itself in the wrong place there. Um, that's great. Let's just stay on that. Um, yeah, we act meekly towards others. The one who is meek is not weak, but strong in the Lord, uh, but restrains using it for, for, for their own benefit, but instead redirects it to, towards others. So we've received grace upon grace. God has strengthened us. He were co-heirs with Christ. He's lifted us to the highest place. How do we use that? Okay, we now direct all that strength towards others. And wh- why do we do it? Well, we do it because we're following the footsteps of Jesus. What did he do? He did exactly that. He who was strong, who was mighty, came down and made himself weak. Why? So that others might know, come to know God and enter into a kingdom. Now, as his people, he sends us out with that same sense of being meek. Be meek towards others. Use your strength for the benefit of others. He then says that meekness, uh, those who are meek, are blessed because they shall inherit the earth. And what does that mean? You know, uh, what picture does that invoke in your mind? To me, it sort of invokes this idea of receiving something that um, is um, rightly ours, or at least someone is passing it on to us, because it's been inherited. So we're told that those who are meek will inherit the kingdom of God. 
we've already looked at the fact that this doesn't seem to be the reality when we look around us. Actually, it's the, it's, it's the arrogant, it's the proud, it's the, it's the brash, it's those who just use their power for themselves who seem to be inheriting the earth. This is what um, the passage in Psalm 37 uh, talks about. And here's the words. Let's, let's read that passage again, and I'll just go through it. Um, here, here are the words of uh, the, the psalmist, uh, just reminding us that whilst that might seem true, there is an unseen reality to this. He says this, Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of evildoers. Why are they envious? Because evildoers seem to be getting what they want. They seem to be progressing. He says this, why, why, why don't be envious? He said, for they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. What's his advice? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and be, uh, befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So here's a link. He's saying, look, if you trust and obey and do what God has been telling you to do, in this case, it's meekness, it's acting towards other in faithfulness and um, using your strength for the benefit of others. If you do that, then you will get the desires of your heart. He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. He will act. Regardless of what you think is going on the outside, regardless of what you think is seen, he will act. He will bring forth his righteousness as a light and your, ju- and your justice like a noonday sun. Be still. Now that's important as it relates to meekness. Being still. Because if we can't be still, and I think being still means here, not taking it into your own hands, not trying to, to do evil or to, to shortcut the process of trusting in God to get what you want. Uh, he says, be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only for evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. This is the reference that Jesus is referring to. Just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look, though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in an abundant place. So, how is it that the meek inherit the earth? Well, just two realities that uh, come out of that passage and that Jesus is referring to here. First is this, that the meek inherit um, the earth in this life by being satisfied. That's all that passage is saying. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He will satisfy the desires of the heart. He will give you what you want. One of the ways in which we inherit the earth is simply that we're satisfied with what gives us. We, we receive the, the, the reward by have, whether we've got plenty. Paul talks about this, whether I'm plenty or I'm in want. He's satisfied and what God has given him. This is what he says in, uh, Paul says in uh, Philippians 4, 10 to th- uh, 11 to, to 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. I know, that, that it, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So one of the ways in which we can see that we inherit the earth is that we become satisfied with the things that God gives us in this life at this time. But there's not just the present reality. There is a second reality here that Jesus is talking to, which is about the meek inheriting the earth because they, be, they are co-heirs with Christ of the future kingdom. Um, as the psalmist writes these words, they shall possess the land, um, they shall possess the land, he is referring to the idea of uh, the, the kingdom coming and a king reigning like David and, and the, uh, the promise of Abraham being fulfilled. But he is talking also of the kingdom to come. And we know that we will be the ones who will inherit the earth. Um, there's a quote from John Stott um, and um, do you want to flip back one? Is that all right? Because uh, I, I missed it out by mistake, the other one. So let me just read this one to you. And this is in reference to being satisfied now. He says, The meek, although they may be deprived and disfranchised by society, yet because they know what it is to live and reign with Christ, can enjoy and even possess the earth which belongs to Christ. Then he continues... Uh, and says, but it's not only about now. He says, then on the day of the regeneration, there will be a new heaven and a new earth for them to inherit. inherit. Thus Christ, Christ's way is different from the way of the world. And every Christian, even like Paul, in having nothing, can yet describe themselves as possessing everything. So the second way that we, that we will inherit, the second way that we will be blessed, is that we will not just inherit and be satisfied with what, what God gives us now, but he's going to give us uh, an inheritance uh, of a new heaven and a new earth. Let's just wrap this up together. And here's just uh, a conclusion statement for us. To be meek means to use our strength in a gentle and kind way for the benefit of others and often at the expense of ourselves. Those who do this will be satisfied in this life on earth, even if it's unseen, and will in inherit and inhabit the new earth and the new heavens. This hope leads us to be blessed now and in the future and uh, enables us to be meek because we already have everything that we need because we already have everything that we need the only way for us to be meek is to take hold of what Christ has given us through his grace and lay down everything that we think that we might get through our own pride or our own strength it's not being weak it's being strong in the Lord and using that strength for the benefit of others.